Hey guys, a lot has happened since this episode was recorded. We didn't want to post this when it was scheduled to come out because we wanted to be respectful of the Black Lives Matter movement, which we still are. However, in addition to that, JK Rowling has recently tweeted some pretty transphobic stuff. We didn't want our last episode to be Harry Potter related without addressing that. So here is part two of that discussion with the caveat that Movie Maven supports trans rights and trans lives. This discussion is mostly on the last Harry Potter film and the music of that film. So check it out if you're interested. Next week, Carson and I will be back with a look at the 2018 film Blind Spotting. Thanks. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to Movie Mavens, um, a podcast about movies, um, hosted by me, Carson. And me, Annie. And this week, uh, it's kind of a weird one. We are continuing um, the podcast, the discussion from last week, um, and then Annie and I are just going to catch up and talk about uh, what we've been watching. So, it's kind of a, a mixed bag, if you will. A mixed bag of goodies, of treats. <laughs> mixed bag sounds like it's bad things. No, it's just oh, it's just different things. It's mixed. It's different. Yeah. Like, it's not bad, it's different. Yeah, so, so just to be clear, we didn't do a double feature this week. No, we, we didn't. We're carrying over the double feature from last week because it was a two-hour discussion, and we're going to talk... We're going to talk about all the things we've been watching over the past couple weeks. And we're going to talk about Christopher Nolan's Tenet trailer that dropped about a week ago that Carson has forced me to watch because I was trying to avoid the trailers. (laughs) But I didn't even know that the trailer dropped. Like, I... Carson does not play... She does not even play Fortnite, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Is that... I feel like that's like an advanced game. No? I've actually never Is I've it? never played it either, believe it or not. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I haven't. I just know the trailer premiered in Fortnite because How that's where we're at. How dare you shame me? Christopher Nolan's yeah. movie demographic, he looks and he's like, okay, well, boys ages 14 to 23 love the shit out of my movie, so let's put this fucker in, te- in uh, Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, so wait, let's just talk let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Did uh, Did you get Inception vibes? Yes, I did. And in that like there's a gimmick to this movie. Mm-hmm. And we're going to need at least 1 hour to be explained the gimmick. And I can just tell you, for me personally, I love the feeling of watching an intense set of rules be explained to me. This is not sarcasm. I love following along with rules and, like, trying to understand them. So, yeah, that part of the movie excites me. Okay. But what did you think? Did you get Inception vibes? Yeah, I got so many Inception vibes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like a, it's like a 
science action movie. Yeah. S- a sa- a saction movie. <laughs> the classic a- saction. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's got some big names in there, like uh, the Denzel's son from Black Klansman. What's his first name? I do not know. Denzel Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> Just call him Denzel. It's fine. Everyone will know we're talking about him and not Denzel, the other Denzel. Denzel 2.0, yeah. if you will. Uh, it's got Robbie Pat. One of my favorites. Yep. Um, it's got uh, Michael Caine. Like, wh- he must really love acting. I mean, that guy has more money than God, and he's still working. That, and I bet him and Christopher Nolan are tight, because oh, yeah. they work together all the time. Right? Yeah. No, yeah, they do. And it also, I don't know her name. What What is her name? She looks just like Sophie Turner. She does, but she I swear to you, she's seven feet tall. Let me see how... First, <laughs> let me find out her name, and then let me find out her height. She is... She goes by the name Elizabeth DeBecky. That's right. What else is she in? She is in Gatsby, Widows. Actually, that's what I recognize her from, Widows. Oh! Yeah, no, she is seven feet tall. Oh my god, she was so good in that in Widows. She's okay, so she's six foot two and three fourths. Wow, IMDb got it down to the three fourths of an inch. Um, whenever I'm getting a new driver's license, I tell them I'm five four and a half, and then they make me choose. They're like, "Do you want to put like five four, four or five? Wait, do you want to put five four or do you want to put five five? And I'm like. <sighs> I put. What do you say? I put four. Yeah. <laughs> the cops pull you over, and they're like, "This is not who you say you are." Right. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> you're, you're five four and a half. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a couple things I wanted to say about that trailer, or I guess the movie as a whole. Um, is there a description of the movie? Sorry to interrupt you. I don't want to read it because, oh, okay. you know, I said I didn't want to watch the yeah, trailer. I know, I know, I know. Because I didn't want to be spoiled. And while I'm a little spoiled, I do not really know what the hell is going on at all. No. Except you can reverse things, which. It seems to me. It seems to me that you can like reverse actions rather than reverse time. Everything. Yeah. And what's what's funny to me about that is when I first started like making videos in like the fourth grade, I also started editing them. And when I discovered the reverse time effect, just playing mm-hmm. things in reverse, my friends and I did everything we could to do to make things look cool in reverse. <laughs> and maybe Christopher Nolan has just hit that stage in his cycle. May I mean, yeah. Oh, wait, have you seen those TikToks of people like having a full conversation and like getting out of bed and like walking down the stairs and stuff? But it they've said and done everything in reverse. No, I don't watch TikToks. You should. Is it cool, though? Yeah, it's really cool. It's honestly like a cinematic masterpiece. Every single one of them. I, people on TikTok are so creative. There sometimes it's like 60 seconds of just like. Oh, I wasted a minute of my life. And then sometimes it's like, 
oh my god that was beautiful that was a 60 second movie and it made up for all those shitty ones yeah exactly well that's carson's review of tiktok (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah okay a couple things about tenant though that kind of that worry me. I guess it's just one thing. But I was reading recently that apparently the actors were confused about the movie. They said that in like an interview. They were like, they were not sure. They said they were confused at the script. And I'm like, well, that that really scares me. That doesn't sound positive. No, it doesn't sound positive. And I'm like, well, how are we supposed to understand it? That's negative promo. If I, I'd be pissed if I were the studio. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> like you better understand. Was it you, now. Elizabeth Debecky? <laughs> also, he at the end of that trailer, Robert Pattinson's like, "We got to blow up a plane." I know that he wants to crash. He wants to crash a plane. A crash a plane, but not in the air. And he said some line. He's like. It'll that'll just be dramatic or whatever. No, 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 no. I think this is how it went. He said, uh, "I want to crash a plane, but not in the air. Nothing dramatic like that." And then Denzel 2.0 says, "How big is the plane?" And then he says, "That will be dramatic." Which is so meta because I another article just dropped that this plane that they used is a real plane. They didn't do that. With CGI, I'm sure they enhanced it with CGI, but it's not CGI and it's not a model because apparently it was more cost effective to get an actual 747, you which I cannot f- even believe. <sighs> and crash huh? it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that is what? that is what I like to call inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And when you see movie budgets and they're like, this was $500 million. That's why, Carson. Yeah, because they bought a plane and then they crashed it. And then they got into a building. And then they got Michael Caine to do one scene for $20 million. (laughs) And the rest was just food. (laughs) I don't have anything else to say. Okay. About Tenet, do you? Um, just that the trailer was so long. It was three minutes long. I mean, the movie's gonna be like three hours. I bet you. All right, make it a two. Make it a two parter. Okay. It's annoying. Or make it a TV series. Make it a TV series. Better yet. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be the best. That would be the best. Uh, so, no, Christopher Nolan is like dead set on this movie opening back, opening up theaters. It's because he's old. Like, period. Will you, will you be visiting your local theater on July 17th to see this movie? Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't plan on going back to a movie theater in the year 2020. There you have it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't think this movie is is worth my life. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. July seems so soon. I will I will see you at the theater when I can see some sort of cure and or vaccine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Um, yeah, and also like he's gonna do a cinematic 
uh, uh, premiere, and then like a few weeks later, it's going to be like you can get it on iTunes. Yeah, like probably earlier than ever because of yeah. this. Like it's just not. It's going to bomb at the box office. It's, eh. That's my prediction. Yeah, and I don't feel that way about every location. I just specifically a movie theater. That is too close quarters for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Also, let's throw it back to Contagion starring Dustin Hoffman and the two um, St. Bernards. Remember the guy? (laughs) Remember the guy at the movie theater who just started coughing on everybody? Yeah. Yeah. And then died? Like at the concession stand? Outbreak. <laughs> oh, yeah, outbreak. How could I forget that? I called it contagion. Yeah, outbreak. How dare you? I know. Yeah, I know that. I there will be one of those people in every screening. I don't need to be near that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Cough, coughing up a storm. Okay, well, let's talk about what we have been watching. Okay. What what have you been peeping on lately? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. I watched... Uh, so I'm actually watching three different things on HBO right now, which, I mean, if you know me, like I'm not a TV show connoisseur. And Annie, I feel like you know me, but listeners, you don't know me, okay? I don't watch much TV. I like trash you watch TV. Yeah, I watch movies and YouTube. And I watch, I watch, I would say, like, way more TV shows than movies. Look at us, just balancing each oh, other out. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> but I am watching three series right now on HBO, which is, like, unheard of uh, for which me. Which ones? Okay, so um, I'm watching Insecure, which I've seen... I've, like, been watching that since it came out, um, starring Issa Rae. That was her, like, debut, and now she's a full-fledged movie star. Like, way to go, Issa. Um, And then, oh, actually, well, I'm watching Run, but that ended this week, I think. So I watched all of the episodes of Run, and I am watching... What is that Mark Ruffalo show called? I know this much is true. Yeah, okay. I'm watching I Know This Much Is True, starring Mark Ruffalo, also starring Mark Ruffalo. I gotta say, I do not like the title of that show, because every time I am like, let me watch it, I'm like, what's that show called? And then I spat out a sentence that has the same number of syllables, and it's never correct. Uh, like, what, like, I Know it, This is Much it, Is True? Yeah, I'm like, oh, what? Is it? It's those that wish me dead. I'm like, no, that's a different. That's a different movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's long. I genuinely did not even know the name of the show. I think I just, just click on Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I just click on Mark Ruffalo's face, and it takes me where I need to go. <laughs> well. Okay, tell me about Insecure. Is that a good show? Is it worth people's time? So, Insecure is... Did you ever watch Girls with... I never did. Lena Dunham? Um, it's nope. just It's just like the... It's the less obnoxious, more 
culturally woke version of girls. Um, okay. Also, it's in L.A. and not New York. Um, and yeah, it's it's really funny. Like it's it's got it's got deep plot lines, but it also like is silly. Um, and it talks a lot about like young love and like dating in your twenties, going on thirties, and like it it really. I think the biggest thing for me, and this is actually why I watched Girls, is because it like intimately looks at female friendship relationships and like how they unfold. And like I, I liked, I liked Girls for that for like a period, but they were all just so mean to each other <laughs> and like insecure. Start that drama. Insecure. It's just. Like, it's up and down, like any friendship. That's cool. But they're yeah. nicer. Yeah, they're much nicer. And they're funny. And they're cool. Sounds um, like an A+. Plus. Yeah, no, I love that show. I, I, yeah, I think people should watch it if they're, if they're into watching f- uh, women empower each other. Yeah. Well, there you have it. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Run? I have not seen this show, but I hear it's like... Very interesting. It's very different. That's what I hear anyways. Okay, it is... Yeah, so... Here's the premise, is that... um, Basically, the whole... It's like six episodes. And basically, the whole season takes place on a train. And um, it's these two long-lost lovers who made a pact, like, 15 or 20 years earlier, that if they text each other, run... Then they meet at the at Union Station at five o'clock, and they get on the train to LA, and then they spend the week together. Um, what a very specific thing! What a very yeah. specific premise! I know I can't believe I remembered all of that. <laughs> I mean, I probably got something wrong, but um, yeah. So it's got it's got two people whose faces I recognize. But I don't know their names. I know Domino Gleason is yes the main the guy guy yes and then the lady is the um like young nurse from Nurse Jackie. Did you ever watch that show? Merritt Weaver. Yeah, she was Weaver? on Nurse Jackie, right? I never saw that show, oh. but you know, I believe you. <laughs> Fact check us. Yeah, right in. Hit me at Movie Mavens on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, so um, I that show it's not very well written. It's not. No, but I mean, it has its moments, and like, it is a very interesting and specific premise. The biggest thing for me is that they don't take a shower for a whole week, and like, they're on a disgusting train. <laughs> That's what held you back from enjoying well, it. I mean, like, that was definitely just, like, you guys are having sex in this tiny little, like, room on a train, and, like, you haven't showered in four days. Hard, <laughs> pa- like, you don't even have wet wipes. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess they fall in love. That's my assumption. Well, they were long-lost lovers, but then... 
All right, spoiler alert. So he is like a motivational speaker and he um, like fucked up this talk and this lady like stood up and was like, uh, my husband followed you religiously and then he and then he killed himself. And so he's like, <gasps> so then, uh, yeah, the guy, he's like feeling sorry for himself. And that's why he texted run. Um, but he also pitched the whole story as a new book to get out of like this bad PR. Interesting. Yeah. And then she finds out and also she's married and has two kids. Oh no, it's fucked up. Like (laughs) it's entertaining, I guess, but I cannot see this. Like I can't see it going on for a second season, mostly because like it would 100,000% have to be complete, like a completely different format. Yeah, they wouldn't be on the train, I assume. Yeah, and, like, it would be over a longer period of time. Well, we'll see if it gets renewed. Or I wonder if it was a limited series. I'm not sure. HBO is mysterious like that. Yeah, they really are. They're just like, here's content, and you watch it. And that's when you do. That's They know us so well. <laughs> they really do. Uh, okay, let's talk about I Know This Much Is True real quick. I've, I've seen two episodes I I only watched the first one. I'm I was meaning to catch up on it today, but then I well have a job, unfortunately. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, whatever sad things happened in the first episode, which is like the whole episode, it just like ups itself, and you you finish the episode like, oh my gosh, devastated. I'm depressed. I'm sad now. Yeah, I, that's how the first episode was. And the second episode is like, all right, let's go sadder. More, more. And I'm like, I don't know if I can continue because now I'm just like scared that that the episode or the show as a whole is like just misery porn, basically. And I don't even know what the show is about is going to be about. OK, yeah. So that's what I want to talk about <laughs> on episode one. All right. So I first told Annie I watched this episode of Mark Ruffalo um, starring Mark Ruffalo and um, also starring Mark Ruffalo and I watched this episode and I like legitimately have never seen anything like it like I I can't even describe okay it's it's like um, the scenes are like complete you know like they they don't leave you with questions but the larger story like as a whole you have a ton of questions but as you leave each scene like you get little nuggets and like you completely understand motivations and like The characters. I don't know. It's fucking crazy. Like, I, for real, have never seen anything like it. I think it could best be compared to, like, a novel. Yeah. It feels like I'm reading a novel because it's just, like, every... Each scene has nothing to do with the last. Right. And nothing to do with sometimes anything, it it appears. We're just learning about Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo. The twins. Mark Ruffalo starring Mark Ruffalo and also starring Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, exactly. And you just, like, learn more about their characters 
And that seems to be the whole thing so far. It's just learning about characters. And it's been two hours of that. But also, it just so happens that the main character's life, life is like just one sadness after another. Which is hard to watch right now, just given the state of the world. So I don't know if I'll be continuing. But I will say this movie looks very different. And it's very pretty. The show, sorry. It's a show. The show looks very pretty. Looks very different. I feel like it's shot on film or it's pretending to be. Uh, but at least I would say that is keeping me intrigued. You know what the aesthetic kind of reminds me of? What's that? Is like a toned down version of Twilight. <laughs> wow. Why? What about it? I don't know. It's just like blue. Is uh, I think it's green, like green shadows. Oh, maybe it's maybe you're colorblind. Perhaps I mean I learn something new you're about too, myself every day. You're too busy looking at Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I do love Mark Ruffalo. Has he won an Oscar? I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna say no. That's total guess. Fact check us. Yeah, fact check. I am so, trying to think what he would win an Oscar for. Sorry, go ahead. I feel like listeners won't know what we're talking about with the show, but I don't know what I'm watching. It's just two twins and one has has like schizophrenia and the other doesn't. And they just are going through time and explaining their life. That's all I could say. Yeah, well, I mean, their mom dies. And that's, like, a big plot point. And then, like, they are, like, navigating grief together. While one has schizophrenia and the other is, like, taking care of the schizophrenic one. Yes. So, if that sounds interesting to you, (laughs) check it out. If Maybe I'll give it one more shot, but I don't know how much I can take. I'll watch episode two and three, and then I'll report back and, and tell you if you can handle it or not. Yeah, yep, let me know. <laughs> um, okay, what else have I been watching? I watched all of Solar Opposites. Have you heard of the show? No. What it, What platform is it on? It's on Hulu. Oh. And it's Justin Roiland, one of the co-creators of Rick and Morty's new show. That's Do right, you like Rick yeah, and Morty? yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Pickle Rick. That's what I know about Rick and Morty. <laughs> Also, I did a, I randomly did a, a Rick and Morty puzzle, like, at the beginning of quarantine. <laughs> so you're mildly informed? Yeah, mildly, yeah. I, Rick and Morty, for me, I have not seen any of the new season, and I'm devastated because I went to go watch it on Cartoon Network because I realized I could. And they, the first episode had expired, so I could only watch, like, episode two and on. And I was like, well, guess I got to wait a whole year or whatever for it to come up on Netflix. That is so but annoying. But in the meantime... What's that? That's so annoying. It's very annoying. Um, yeah, I really like Rick and Morty. I really hate the fan base. But the shows, they really are mind-blowing. It's very creative. Um, okay, but Solar Opposites is exactly rick and morty but just like swap out humans for aliens and i watched the whole first season and 
it's funny. It's meaner than Rick and Morty. It's way more gory than Rick and Morty. It's it kind of reminds me of like Family Guy and the humor in a in a weird way that I don't love, but uh overall I enjoyed my time with it. There's like there's a lot going on. There's like a plot following these two aliens who are often at odds with each other and one wants to repair their ship to leave Earth and the other just wants to hang out and have a good time. There's that plot thread. The other plot thread are there two like replicants, like they're two uh, clones, I guess. And they're in school and they're just doing kids stuff. And then there's a third plot thread that is one of the kids, kid aliens, has shrunk down hundreds of humans that have upset him. And they've put <laughs> he's put the shrunken humans in his bedroom wall in these like little cubicles wait like and like uh, like dad damon what was that movie where he oh yeah oh suburbicon is that it no, no, no. <laughs> that's another dad damon movie oh what is that i did not like that movie what is that called i've seen it i yeah i for some reason have seen it too uh listeners write in <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, but it's not a utopia. In fact, we we go into the wall at times and it's like a dystopian society. And there is like factions fighting over candy that's dropped in. And they like have created this god figure of the girl character because she's the only one that feeds them. And there's like an evil overlord. And this is just like the C-plot of the show. But oh, Wow. There's an entire episode dedicated to inside the wall. The whole episode takes place in this, like, inside this miniature world. And it's about, like, a... The, like... It's basically Snowpiercer, actually, if you've seen Snowpiercer. Yeah. But taking place inside this setting. Um, And it's really funny... And I can't believe they, like, went for it. They, like, committed so hard into that plot thread. And I thought that was, like, the strongest part of the series, uh, even though it was really silly and didn't really mean anything. Uh, but, yeah, that's all I have to say. I'm curious to see where it goes because it's definitely laying down some foundation for the future. But it's also hard to compare it to Rick and Morty because Rick and Morty has been around for so long. Like, it, it's found its groove in a, in a real way. But I, I think it's an easy recommendation if you like Rick and Morty because it's just... More Rick and Morty. I might watch it. Give it a shot. Yeah. I would say watch Rick and Morty first. Well. If you care, because it's just there and it's really good. But See, all right. While I was doing the Rick and Morty puzzle, Rick and Morty was on in the background. So, like, I've heard it. You've had your fill. (laughs) (laughs) I I still recommend watching it. Uh, but you know, maybe watch Solar Opposites first. I don't know. That'd be a, that'd be an interesting study. Ooh. Um, but also on Hulu, we've both been watching Shrill. Yeah. Which AD was Bryant. a listener, Ad Bryant. That was a listener recommendation, and apparently Shrill's been around the block because it's on season two. Did not realize. Yeah, well, I mean, season one, it it was only, like, six episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I hate that. Like, I only watched it because it's A.D. Bryant. But, like, if I stumbled upon 
a TV show that, like, on any other platform that only had six episodes, I wouldn't watch it. Really? Yeah. I'd be like, well, they only paid for six. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't Atlanta only have, like, eight episodes? Well, yeah, but I watched that, of course, because it's Donald. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has a lot of weight, doesn't he? Yeah. So does 80. I don't know if she's as iconic. Yeah. Uh, I only watched... How far did you get? Because I... Yeah, so um, Shrill. I only watched season one. Um, And I actually watched it with my mom, which was kind of awkward. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess it is pretty adult. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I liked it. I mean, I thought it was really, like, um, honest and like and it, it, ha- it has a lot of mom daughter stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I think it does. All right, not to go back to girls again, but I think it does what Lena Dunham attempted to do in girls with with her and the mom. Interesting. I cannot speak to that cuz I haven't seen girls, but I think that the mom daughter thread is like the strongest in the series and it doesn't come up much. Uh, but that's my favorite part of the series anyways. Yeah. Is it in it? Does it come up in season two? So I'm only like seven episodes in. I think there's nine or eight. So I'm really close to the end, but it does play a part. They just sort of bicker at each other and maybe it's not even a plot thread. It's just like, this is what, this is what a mom daughter relationship is like or can be like. And, uh, I think it often is very accurate and it's, depiction uh personally anecdote oh what's that (laughs) all right i was i was setting up the plot the like to record and my mom came in and tried to offer me a piece of toast and i was like i don't want it i'm busy Also, you can't have gluten. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Your mom's like, try it. You'll love it. Yeah. She just lathered it with butter. (laughs) Yeah, but that's a a true mother-daughter relationship. (laughs) For me, okay, Shrill for me is... You say it's a more effective girls. I would argue it's a less effective Fleabag. Oh, see, I've only watched a little bit of Fleabag. I think Fleabag is like a perfect show, but the it commits to a character that is going to screw things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Shrill, it it feels a little lost to me, and that's probably because it's in its first season, like. Not only can I see the through the formula so clearly of like things are going well and then things go really bad. Oh yeah. Like over and over again, which is fine. That's a lot of shows. But uh I don't like there's no consistent through line that I that I can decipher anyways. Like the main character does make bad decisions, but not always. Like and then Ryan, her lover, is like a really crappy guy until he's not. And it's just like things just sort of change depending on how the plot needs them to be. That's what I've noticed. Uh, but all that being said, the show is easy viewing. 
So it's if you want to just watch something and have a laugh, and then I w- it's an easy recommendation. Definitely, I'm I'm looking forward to watching season two. Um, yeah, but I do want to just quickly comment on the comment that you said um, where it's going well and then it's going bad. And I have to tell you a show that I literally, I quit watching because it did it so dramatically. What? Silicon Valley. Shoot. I did not, I did not watch that show. A lot of people love it, but I think Gus said the same thing of like, he really enjoyed it. And then it got formulaic. Yes. It was like, like it, it, yeah. Every single episode was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna do it!" And then, like, literally the last two minutes of the show is like, "Well, that plan fell apart." <laughs> and the whole is it the whole season like that too? Yes, the overarching season. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. also fuck T.J. Miller too. I mean, they kicked him right. off the show, but still, he did. Yeah, I mean, that formula is present in, like, many, many shows, but some just either hide it well or they distract you from it with, like, really good characters and stuff. Uh, Yeah. Which I don't think the characters in Shrill are particularly uh, enticing. They're, they're, They're just fine. The whole show is just fine. Like, great. Put it on. Enjoy your 30 minutes. And then you're not going to think about it. It's not going to keep you up at night. I mean, yeah. Like, like I finished Fleabag, and I thought about that show for, like, a whole month. Really? Yes. Did you watch uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel? Oh, yeah. I love that show. That's a show that... I think about the writing in that show so often. So good. It is so good. Oh, shout out Marvelous Miss Maisel. I, I like ate that new season up so quickly. I could not oh believe God. it was over. Yeah, me too. I think I watched it in a whole Saturday. Okay, well, that's what we've been watching for the past few weeks. No movies, surprisingly. Um, But next week, uh, we're going to be back to regular schedule programming. Um, But this week, I'm going to head out and stay tuned to listen to Annie and Brian continue their discussion on Harry Potter. Now, join me and confront your fate. Alive so they can die at the proper moment. Bring him to me. Let's find out where he is. If we find him, we can end this. I say we jump now! Hogwarts is threatened. <laughs> Man the boundaries, protect us. I have to go back, haven't I? It's a suicide mission. All right, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out in 2011, which means it's almost 10 years old. 
<laughs> and right. it has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a little generous, but okay. Yeah, a little generous. Um, it was directed by David Yates. He did uh, the previous one, and he's done all the Fantastic Beast films. And it made $380 million domestically. So... Yeah. yeah, those are the facts. Uh, it was a gigantic hit. Yes. I mean, how could it not be? Right. But as far as the movie goes, just the movie. Yeah. Oh, man. It just. It <laughs> is so fast. Yes. That it just feels like scene to scene. And by the end of it. I look I look over at Ron and I'm like, whoa, how long have you been in this movie? Because, <laughs> because have you had anything to say or do? Yeah. And the answer is no. It's just no. Oh, it's, not, you, not really. Uh, Anytime Ron has anything interesting to do, he's with someone else, yeah. which basically makes him just like. The token around here character. Yeah, Neville had more of an arc in this movie. Yeah, he did. Um, so yeah, this movie happens so fast, which I get. It has so much to cover. Yes. But I feel like there was something added in slash. I think I believe there was a fumble, in my opinion, mm-hmm. during the final Harry V. Voldemort moments. That I think if that was adjusted could have made at least a little bit of wiggle room for actual pacing to occur. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean is, uh, um, there's this moment where, okay, Harry dies. He, he has his weird heaven in King's cross scene. And then he, he comes back and he waits for the opportune moment, it seems, to reveal himself. And then and then Harry and Voldemort chase each other around Hogwarts. Yes, for like a good like 20 or 30 minutes. Back to back, back to, to the where courtyard. they started. Yep, and that's right. It makes no sense to me. No, it it really doesn't. And and then it then it starts it makes me think about what else doesn't make sense and then i'm like listen voldemort (laughs) fool me once shame on me or shame (laughs) on you fool me twice shame on me or whatever right voldemort (laughs) tried to kill this boy yeah and he did not die this is the only case of not dying from a killing curse ever and then he he killed him again and he didn't check (laughs) he didn't check and Jokes on him, he was alive again. But this movie, that's that's in the books. That's pretty yes, crazy to me. But this movie <laughs> says no, it's not enough. What if Voldemort ties Harry up in his own robes and somehow does not kill him again and Harry escapes that? Right. In the in the most awful scene of that movie where they like are apparating around yeah. and they become one face. Yeah, weird. I don't know. What a what a what a what a strong choice is all I can really put. That is that that scene where yes, they they where Harry pulls him off the cliff. It's like he can he can just apparate and he can fly. So I don't know what you're trying to do, but uh, he yeah, their, their faces. 
I guess it's supposed to show that they're spinning and they're connected. But at this point, the, the connection has been severed. So yeah. uh, it kind of undercuts it. Uh, and it's also just freaky to look at in a way that it's like, what is it trying to tell me? And uh, I'm I'm not so sure what that is other than there's a connection. But yeah, there, there's at that point, Harry's not a Horcrux. And the CG does not stand up, I will say, in that moment. Uh, in that moment, no, it does not. It mostly does the rest, honestly. But uh, yeah, it does. It really does. Do just talking about the movie still. Yeah. Oh, I also I also would have wished for a moving staircase shot during this fight scene. We. I right. could tell that the sets they had were that one giant staircase we were at like eight times. Yeah. The courtyard and the great hall. And that's like it. That's literally it. Yes. Yeah. Even even when the kids are when, when Harry shows up back at school. Oh, yeah. In the room of requirement. Yeah. That. It's like, what what are the kids fucking? What, what are they? What are they doing in there? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're camping out. No, no, no one's like, why aren't you in the co- Why aren't you in your your. You're, you're like common rooms. What, what, I think what they guys... were hi- hiding from. Sna- I don't know. The, the, the movie does not care to explain that to you. And honestly, there was no time. <laughs> there is no time. Uh, also, a couple thoughts. Yeah, it was revealed recently. Or, well, not revealed, but like Daniel Radcliffe came out and said that he had like an addiction problem to alcohol. Oh, during the filming of this and he said he was like drunk most of the time. So I'm watching this wow. movie now like, Oh my God. And it's sad, but it's also happy because he's doing way better now. And he's like, mm-hmm. fine to say that, but that made it really, I made oh, it the viewing no. experience kind of sad. Cause I'm just thinking like, is he just drunk right now? I mean, wow. I know. I, I, I think I remember reading about that, but, uh, it was not on my mind when I watched it. Um, because he did a pretty good job, I thought. <laughs> I mean, he's an actor. Yeah. He made it, he made it work. He made it um, work. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like there were... there. Were, it's funny. The the, the way I, I, I describe this movie is, yeah, just, just a breakneck. Yeah. Break, and there would be really no time for him to... <laughs> no. To, there's not much time for him to act either. No, there isn't really. I... Yeah. God, the pacing is nuts. I wanted to ask, though, do you have any what I call get hyped moments? Any moments of the movie that you're just like, like, I have to admit, this is exciting me as a Harry Potter fan. Okay, so in that movie, um, there are things that as the book reader that I'm always happy they include, even if they don't really make sense in the the movie. (laughs) Like what, for example? Okay. 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 So, so the, there's only one time in the books where Rowling uses all caps. And that is when, uh, Mrs. Weasley says, not my daughter, you bitch. Yeah. Um, uh, the way it's done in this movie is not good, but (laughs) I'm, I'm glad it's there. Even though it's like, they, it's just not earned because everything is just so fast. And you barely, you barely even see Bellatrix attack Jenny. 
It barely right. even happens. Oh, it barely even registers. But right, right. But that moment in the books when I read it as whatever, however old I was, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And in oh, this movie, all caps, and she says, and she cursed. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And oh in, man. In this movie, I still get super excited when that happens. Right. Even though, in the background, like Arthur's just standing there watching. I'm like, this is so strange. It, 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 isn't it? It's, isn't it weird though? That immediately after that, there's like a shot that lingers on Mrs. Weasley's yes. face as she smiles. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it, the whole it's thing like, is it's weird. It's like, you you just said, not my daughter, you bitch. In the book, it's like a moment of like absolute like- Mom survival ter- mode. Yeah, terror, terror, desperation, existential dread. And in the, in the, in the movie, it just, it's so glib. It is. Um, uh, Strangely so. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway, uh, but okay, but, so that's a get hyped but, but, but moment. The 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 film fan in me says, "Why did they do it like that?" But the the Harry Potter fan says, "Yeah." <laughs> For me, the my biggest like oh get hyped moment is when yep. um, McGonagall shows herself for the first time to defend Harry in a duel all of a sudden against Snape. Right. And, oh, I get so hyped because McGonagall also shoots first. She is like... She does. She goes for it. But I just love that because she's defending Harry, even though, like, Snape is... He never shoots back, which is exciting. And... I don't know if you knew this, but if you watch carefully, mm-hmm. he's deflecting her attacks and he deflects two of her attacks to the the goons on either side of him. The goons that are like the disciplinary. Oh, yeah. The uh, the, the the brother and sister. Yes. The, the, yes. And he deflects her attacks back to them. So they mm-hmm. get knocked out. They just die, I think, because they never get we never see them again. Oh, that, that, that's a good call. And, I, and you're right. Such a good yeah. detail. Such a good oh, detail. It's interesting. Uh, so what what's weird about the prisoner of Azkaban is there is literally nothing for Maggie Smith to do in that movie. She's in it for like two scenes and she's in the background. She has like no lines. Maggie, she has the, uh, she, uh, she has the wrong? three broomstick scene where oh, Harry sneaks yeah. in. She, she reveals that it's, uh, uh, Sirius is Harry's godfather. Yeah. Yes. And she tells him like, no, you can't go to Hogsmeade. And I think that's it. Oh, okay. So, so I'm, I'm full of shit and I, I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> well, that's but, okay. Uh, no, no, the, uh, but, but, uh, it's it's interesting. In certain movies, Maggie Smith has a ton to do, and mm. in certain movies, there's not much. And I think I think she's actually the best actor in the whole movie of Deathly Hollows Part Two. She she makes she makes her few scenes like on the money, and like uh, when she tells Harry, "It's good to see you," like you you feel it. Yes, and and I don't know if there's any other dialogue scene in that whole movie that you're like. Wow, there's like a living, breathing person behind that that line delivery, and you know, which is a shame because there's some really like impactful moments of in the pensive scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that is so impactful, but it's so breakneck. We are rolling through history. So, so as as an editor yourself, what 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 do you think when you watch that 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 pensive scene? 
oh, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so overwhelmed. Like, but okay. At the, okay. Yes, I am overwhelmed, but I love when things you've known are fully explained in a movie. Right. And I just eat that scene for breakfast. I just eat it up because it's just like dropping knowledge bombs on you, the viewer. Yeah. Which I know is just like expository bullshit all like over and over again. But I don't know something about that scene. I eat it up, even though it's moving so quickly. Thank God I have my own knowledge to fill in the blanks, but it's overwhelming. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that, 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 that point you touched at the end. And yes, I enjoy that scene as a Harry Potter fan, but I wonder how much of that information bomb is understood by people who have never read the books because, because it is so strangely told. Um, it, it spends, it spends a long time on, uh, on, I I think, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily spend a long time. It spends an equal part on things that are really important to what Harry needs to know. And also things that are just like, uh, aren't you glad you know this now? Which, you know, I, I think uh, unless you had all of the movies really fresh in your mind might completely lose you. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I I totally hear that. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's just another example of of uh, of checklisting for fans. Totally. And, uh, yeah. Do you feel this movie panders to its audience in the 100- way? In the yes. way that movies today pander, because I feel like today yes. movies are like fan service through the roof. I think okay, so so th- this movie, uh, I know I put it near the top mm-hmm. of my of my uh, my listing, but but having watched these two movies, I, I really think there is a quality night and day. Um, I, I think the third movie is such a better movie that it makes me wonder if I go back and watch those movies again, w- will those first th- two movies, will they hold up a lot better than I, I thought they would? I bet they would. And and what, what's interesting is that this movie does a lot of things that modern blockbusters basically took note on because it made a bajillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And one of those is uh, the really bad habit of taking a story and stretching it out across multiple movies. Oh yeah. So, so this, this, this movie did it. And uh, after that, uh, twilight, uh, hunger games did it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Hobbit took that wonderful, concise 300 page book and turned it into three, three hour movies. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, it's the beginning of, uh, of just like Hollywood, just glut is all I can really, really say about that. Uh, it's it's really, it doesn't make for good uh, movies, but it really gives the fans what they want, and that is to see the things that they they appreciated from other materials yes. again. It's so, I'm so conflicted because I'm like, oh my God, I love seeing all this stuff. But at the same time, as a movie, it makes no sense. This is not a movie. Right. Remember how, like, when we were talking about Prisoner of Azkaban, we were like, 
oh, the themes of this movie is like learning, <laughs> learning about who your parents are and, uh, you know, the, the passage of time. Yeah. You know, like like the, and uh, and basically Harry versus the world. Like those are those are what that movie is about. What what is the Deathly Hollows part two about? Just getting t- getting into a <laughs> two hour and 10 minute runtime. You got to get into it. Right. Uh, like like it's cool that there's a there's a prison break. I mean, it's cool that there's a jail. Uh, I'm sorry, not jail, not even prison. There's a cool, bank there's a, a, a bank heist. You know, there, it's cool that there's which you've forgotten uh, about by the time. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that like when uh, in, in these kinds of movies where it's basically a checklist of the things that happen in a book, not necessarily telling a concise story for cinema mm-hmm. like you, you get a lot of these like really disparate things that are all just kind of one thing after another and you know the the i guess the theme of this movie is uh 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 that uh harry and voldemort need to show down yeah that's the that that is the theme of the movie it's always it's harry tells that to everybody uh uh, it's like i'm gonna kill him it's like great got do that, you know, and then, he, and then uh, he does it and then they, they finish their Horcrux hunt and then he does it so that the there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's interesting when, when you try to think of the theme of a movie and like what, 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 it, what the story is about and what you end up with is mm-hmm. a bunch of plot points. I think if, if I had to fix it, I would take out the weird secondary chase scene that totally kills the pacing yeah. And I think I would honestly take out the conversation with Helena Ravenclaw, which brings the story to a screeching halt uh, and just yes. have Harry R- Luna is just like, yo, I know where it is. Sort of. It's in this room full of full of stuff. And he's like, OK, can, can I be uh, completely honest? Yeah. As soon as that uh, Ravenclaw ghost appeared, I fast forwarded. Yes, it's totally unnecessary. Oh yeah, no, I was like, yes, yes, yes. She's gonna lead him to the to the diadem. All right, great, great, yeah, great. Okay, we're fast forwarding. This is taking way too long. Moving Thank on. You. Yes. Well, let's talk about the music now. Oh, okay, we can talk about the music. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there any tracks that you like? Just let's just say the nice yeah, things. Of of course. Yeah. Um, okay. So so before we start, though, I want to say that I do not uh, envy <laughs> having to step into Williams's shoes. Um, that guy does so much so well, and with such certainty, and with so much weight behind every decision mm-hmm. that, and he does it so fast. That, that's what's so crazy is composers only have like a month to like make a score uh, that you have to be someone as superhuman as as John Williams to come up with the kinds of scores he does. Now, with both, what's interesting is both of these composers, John Williams and Desplat, both have an Oscar for best score. Mm-hmm. I think uh Desplat's score for The Shape of Water is amazing. It is so good. It makes me cry. It mm-hmm. is so 
good. Uh, with that said, I don't think his score for this movie is very good. Yeah. Especially uh, when you watch it back to back with one of Williams's best scores. To it, almost, it's night and day. So I, I really love this plot. Like I, he, his, okay. His Benjamin Button soundtrack of all things. Yeah. Benjamin Button. Is great like score. One of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Just to listen to, cause you, it's just pretty. It's sure. It's just yeah. beautiful. And all of his I, Wes Anderson music is incredible would, and imaginative. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Um, yeah. Grand Budapest Hotel yes. has an amazing score. I just listened to that today after listening to part two soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is why. I so Something went awry, I, I suspect. Because this does not feel like Desplat just like doing the most. Yeah, I think just... So what I have written at the very top of my notes is this was a rush job. I, th- I think he had no time whatsoever. I'm pretty sure that a lot of these tracks that you listen to on like the soundtrack and a lot of the tracks that you listen to in the movie, that's that's not a real orchestra. I'm I'm almost positive that with most of these tracks, uh, it's uh, very high end samples, but but when, when and I don't say that to knock high end samples, I use them in everything because most of the music I've done has been for really like low, uh, low budget stuff. So mm-hmm. it's all you can pay for. You can't you can't just hire a, a symphony to pay your play your stuff. Yeah. So so I, I don't say that as a knock. I am saying on a movie that has a two hundred million dollar budget when you're using that, it's because there was no time to uh, actually, you know, to 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 basically get those musicians in the room. And when you've made your tracks to show what it sounds, what it will sound like with an orchestra, it's already too late. Like you have you have to use it. Wow. Uh, that that is that is my sneaking suspicion and when I listen to this movie. I kind of agree because a lot of the music sounds like generic fight scene music track yes. three mm-hmm. and uh, I, like there are tracks that I like definitely, but yeah. boy, does the soundtrack just not stand out. What, what What's interesting is, and th- this is something that, that stood out to me on this watch because I've never li- watched this movie, particularly paying attention to the score. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of scenes with just, utter silence yeah and it is so awkward you know what what what's interesting and what might be even more important than deciding where music is is deciding where music is not for real it is it is one of the most important decisions you can make because like like what, what i talked about with with the with the third movie is m- music accompanies moments of magic and the Renaissance music accompanies establishing shots. Mm-hmm. Like that is the decision John Williams and Alfonso Cuaron both made. And, uh, and it is film craft making that decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. More, more so than like just composition deciding that is your guiding principle. When you score that film, that is film craft. 
in this movie, I, 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 I took notes on where music starts and stops. I couldn't find that kind of thread. It was more like it, the music was accompanying uh, story beats. Like it's like this, this thing is happening now. So this kind of music accompanies that, yeah. which is what you go back to generic fight, fight music. What, what I think though, that makes it sound like generic fight music rather than a score for that fight scene is, and this, this goes back to, to rush job is a lot of it's very, very, very repetitive. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it will play the same motif over and over, but they'll add more instruments. And that, that's a good way of basically adding, uh, interest and drama with not a whole lot of musical material. Yeah. So you, so you can just add more instruments to it after like a certain point and it'll already sound like the stakes are being raised. And I'm looking right at you, Courtyard Apocalypse track. Yes. Let's bring in the strings. Let's bring in the strings. All right. All right. Now brass. All right. All right. Oh, let's go up an octave. Oh, you got God. it. Yeah. That, that that that's it. So uh, it, it's funny that you you brought up uh, Courtyard Apocalypse. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's the scene where the which is crazy. Like the the sound design goes zoop and the music goes way up. Yeah, the music time. goes way up for for that scene where you're you you've got that very sweeping overhead shot of the of the the courtyard with the the spiders uh, the battle and every it's a cool scene it 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 is um it's it's interesting because you know they they're definitely going for uh you're feeling the emotions and the hopelessness of the of the people who are fighting um it, so some something about it doesn't necessarily click for me but i don't know how i would do it differently you know, you just hire John Williams. You just hire John Williams. <laughs> the, what, what's what's interesting? Okay, so uh, I actually uh, the, the in in Puffs there is a very uh, similar battle. Some would say in the same school, but it's not the same school. Um, but the, there is a moment where uh, the the Puffs have basically uh, become uh, pawns in a war that they didn't sign up for. And uh, that that's very similar to this movie. Um, so they uh, there there's this kind of music that plays uh, once they all start to meet their demise, or they all start to have these moments of heroism. Um, I I actually was told this track in particular because it's it's interesting. I, I like I said I don't listen to the soundtrack albums. But but I, I do study the movies and how score functions in a scene, um, which is when I talk about scores that that that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the, the, the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So so when uh, so when uh, I was told by uh, Matt Cox, the uh, the playwright, um, that he wanted something like uh, Plaza. Uh, or, no, no. Courtyard. Uh, court, courtyard uh, Apocalypse. I wrote a track called uh, Plaza End of the World and End of the World is in one <laughs> one word one, is one word. And it's a uh, it, it, it does a very similar uh, kind of thing. Uh, and it, it, it is it is effective um, if you can show uh, maybe a lot of action 
you know, it, visually, but in your, but what you're actually feeling in that moment is that desperation. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that, that's what film score can do for you is not necessarily accompany the action or the cinematography, but it's actually, uh, pointing at your, uh, your heart. It's, yeah. it's, it's telling you how you're supposed to feel in that, that moment. So I will say that th this, this is, this is all roundabout to say, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> it is, it, it, it is a really good track. Mm -hmm. It, it absolutely, uh, gives, uh, heft to, to that scene. Yeah. What by the, the quick way of using repetition, but it, you know, it, it's effective. It's, it, it, you know, re repetition is, is good. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it, it, it basically in, in, in this case, what repetition can do in a scene like that is it tells you, it, it actually communicates the hopelessness because as soon as you are starting to develop something, you're back to square one mm -hmm. and it happens over and over and over again, you're back. You're always finding yourself with your back against the wall, which is the reason why that really works in that scene. Mm -hmm. But but th there are some up tempo tracks for other fights that I don't know if they they really communicate the same thing, or yeah. or if if they do communicate the same thing, if they're really needed, or that that's really what they're going for. Yeah, I agree. Um, but speaking of repetition, mm -hmm. my favorite track in this uh, soundtrack is Severus and Lily. Okay. And so I plays over the, the pensive scene? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. And I came to a huge conclusion today. Okay. Yeah. I'm as ready. to why that is. And I'm going to play them for you. Or I'm going to play it for you. And then I'm going to play why it's my why I realize it's my favorite. Okay. Go for it. We're just going to listen to this melody for a sec. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my as I said before, Benjamin Button is perhaps one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Let me play you this track. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Um, I. Uh, what are you trying to say? Are 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 you saying that they uh, they're as different as can be? Is that is that what you're saying? I'm saying uh, your <laughs> your idea of rush job seems more and more likely by the second. Yeah. So so yeah. Yes. Uh, clearly, what you know you know it's interesting is he could very well have got the gig because a uh, first pass editor put that that temp track that that temp track to that scene and was just mm -hmm. like, we need something like this. All right, wait, I actually know Displa. Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> hey, Alex, can you come in and do some uh, Harry Potter music? All right, I, I guess I have you a have week to week. work on it. I have one week. All right, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, like, yeah. 
that is yeah. absolutely what could have been. But but that's very interesting that you found some self theft. Well, I spent a long time today trying to figure that out because I knew in my heart, I was like this, I know this isn't Benjamin Button. I know it is. And then I listened to like every track on Benjamin Button trying to find it. Right. But I, I don't want to dog on Desplat for doing this because it happens all of the time. And I could show you John Williams tracks that does this. And he does this with his filler tracks. He thinks nobody's paying attention to, but mm. let me tell you, oh, what, what does he do? There's a track in Prisoner of Azkaban, I believe. I'm not sure which one either. It's like the werewolf one or like the scabbers. It's some filler track that he utilizes again in um, War Horse. Oh. Same rhythm. It's it's just like spot on. <laughs> um, Hans Zimmer ripped off parts of the Caribbean from a Gladiator sound, song. Oh, no, no question. Yeah, I, I've I've recently watched Gladiator, and mm-hmm. when it plays the theme to the Pirates of the Caribbean in the middle of a fight, like you just bust out laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's it, not just display. It happens it's like everybody. a few times. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot. Yes, composers are all thieves. I say that as one, and uh, one of the most common uses of thievery is self thievery. That's that's yeah. de- definitely a thing. So I thought that one was particularly hilarious because it is so the exact same. Um, and then I was like, that's why it's my favorite track. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because I love that soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. There, there, is a, there is a moment where they... So it takes about... It's about, 30, it's about 32 minutes in. And th- this goes along with your uh, re- repetition mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's a there's a there's about 32 minutes is the first time we hear Hedwig yes Hedwig's theme it takes about have, 32 minutes I have the exact same note that okay. says but, first time we hear Hedwig's full theme is 30 minutes in yes and it's when Harry walks into the room of requirement with everyone in hammocks and it's weird But 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 you 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 hear that. What's interesting is it plays again uh, just a few minutes later. Yes. When McGonagall lights the lights after she's basically sent Snape away. What's what's interesting about that? Because it is the exact same recording. <gasps> they just threw it in twice. They threw it in twice. You oh got my it. God. So so, and I'm like, when I'm really paying attention to the score, I I'm going to notice things like that. It's like, yeah. oh, not only is it the same theme, but it's played in the same instruments. It's it's the same everything, and not only is those coincidences true, but literally it's the same recording. Yeah, it, that actually happens elsewhere in the movie, not with that particular track. 
but there is, uh, and it's always with John Williams themes, and it's it's interesting because I, I think it's because they knew they wanted John Williams things for certain moments, and Desplat was like, I don't have time to reorchestrate these things, especially when we have several films wow. in the past. They just cut it up and threw yeah. it in. Right. What other times do you remember? Yes, uh, the whole 19 years later sequence. The whole 19 oh. years later is the exact same score when Harry leaves Hogwarts at the end of scene of, of, of year one. They literally cut that sequence to the score Thanks, from the first movie. Interesting. So I would love to see someone make a side-by-side -side comparison of those on, two sequences. Uh, the end of 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 film one. Yeah. And and that because I think um, not only do they use the exact same track in I mean recording, it is the it is that score from the first movie but but i think it actually might go even further i think the editor also paste it cut for cut with it too oh and i'd I, love to see that right and but i have a sneaking suspicion that is the case wow i've gained a wonderful young wizard well this is all becoming a lot more clear in my head uh <laughs> well good <laughs> awesome i i have a couple links in this document that i I just want to see if you recognize this at all, because okay. I, I know they're from the other films, but I don't know. Don't know when. OK, um, here we go. There's this melody playing on the piano or on the bells. We'll hear it. But I thought I knew exactly where it was from, but now I don't know. And I'm just wanting, curious if you recognize it. All right. Oh, and by the way, this is at the very end of the movie. So I, it seems like it would be extremely important at the very end right before the epilogue okay the, the actual end to the story yeah yeah okay. okay yeah let's do it what is that do you know um it to, to my ear, um, it sounds like a more major version. By major, I mean as opposed to minor, using music theory terms. Uh, it just sounds like a variation on the uh, Plaza Armageddon, or Courtyard Armageddon. It's just like a You're happier right. book end to that moment. Um, so 
So that to to my ear, that that's what that is, uh, and that that whole uh, long note that plays under it mm-hmm. is basically telling the audience, "Bring up the lights." Yeah, the, this is this is the end, giving it, it finality. It's giving it finality. Okay. I would have been able to tell you that if uh, if they had used that theme like once or twice more, <laughs> <laughs> aside from twice, right? Right. But they didn't. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that yeah, makes a lot of probably sense. Probably right. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Wow. Okay. Um, well, anything else you want to talk about this movie or about the music in the series? Anything else you want to say? I think I've said. I think I've said all I want to say. Mm. Um, oh, I will say that the Dumbledore death scene music was used again in the Pensieve scene, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Chamber of Secrets music I kind of noticed, which I also couldn't place exactly, but I, I heard it. I recognized it. Yeah, um, I I didn't I didn't notice those, but I, I have no doubt that, that, that they were there. There was a certain point in the movie where I... Uh, I, I wasn't <laughs> I was kind of checking out because mm-hmm. because like if, if you go from the third to this one, like it's 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 kind of hard. You're, you're, you gotta, you got to go backwards. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you got I, I think I should have done it the other way. Um, but but I'm looking at my notes and uh, uh, I it's 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 just amazing. I wanted to write down the moments where music started but I just made notes of entire scenes with no dialogue. Oh, sorry. With no music at all. Yeah. And like, and like the whole first like 15 minutes of the movie is spent in the upstairs of that house. Yes. And everyone is whispering to each other. And it's just like, wow, this, this was a choice. Everyone is whispering a lot. And it's like exposition, city i've never seen so much exposition dumped oh yeah so it, quickly right and and i tried when, when when that scene was i'm like wow this is a really weird way to start a movie but i, I was like okay gotta t- take into account the fact that it's halfway through a story <laughs> this yeah. is the and uh and it, but, it, but it's interesting because i don't think any of that information that he got from from grip hook or or olivander we're we're like rehashing information like it's 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 new information uh it's just like yeah it, it's just telling us the what the first few things yeah. on our checklist are it's the okay previously on yeah it's like the okay. deathly hollows okay we have a sword is it the real one okay we're good yeah. we have some wands who can use them all right great right there's also there's the uh we have to say what the deathly hollows are again Right. And yeah, yeah, because Harry's going to use all of them in this movie. So we we need to know, even though the <sighs> even though part one does a really good job explaining it. Really good job. Great uh, scene. Uh, right. Oh, no, I, I love that. Uh, yeah. The, the animated tale of the beetle beetle the bard. So good. Yeah, it's awesome. What a ch- that's a choice that I love. Oh, that that's a that's a really great, strong choice. Like people whispering at the beginning of the movie for oh, like yes. for, for ten full minutes. Equally <laughs> as good of a choice. <laughs> yeah, but both great. I I could I could talk about Harry Potter all day. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Well, I I think I said everything I want to say. Yeah, I, th- I think I did too. Yeah. Um, this has been a blast. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you so I much. Seriously, could just keep going on this. We could talk through them all. Maybe in the future, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we wrap up, do you want to tell everybody who you are and where they can find you, like on the internet? Hello, my name is Brian Matolius. Well, hello. I've, I mean, you've been listening to me for some time now. But uh, if if you've skipped to this point in the podcast um, and you haven't listened to anything else, hello. Uh, I am Brian Matolius. I uh, am a composer. I've I've written a lot of music. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at Brian Metolius. Uh, find me on there. I tweet a lot of nonsense, but I also tweet about the stuff I do. So uh, if you like nonsense and uh, if you like uh, my opinions on on music and movies, yeah, fo- fo- follow me there. All right, everybody. That was our episode of Movie Mavens. Uh, like I said, next week we're back to regular schedule programming. Spicy double feature. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be big. It's going to be good. Oh, well, I can't guarantee either of those things, but we'll try. Um, in the meantime, please um, follow us on Instagram at Movie Mavens. You can follow us on Twitter at Movie Mavens Pod. If you want to learn some cool things about me and Annie, you can go to our website, moviemavenspodcast.com, or shoot us an email, moviemavenspodcast at gmail.com. And also, we have a Patreon that we uh, neglected. But we are back, baby. We are back. Um, and you can subscribe to our Patreon to get uh, TV uh, episodes. So much like what we did earlier. And also bonus movie episodes. That is patreon.com slash movie mavens and if you enjoyed this podcast please uh leave us a review on apple podcasts it means a lot they're very nice to read and also it just helps people know about movie mavens because it like boosts us and stuff right yeah that's right (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, Moving the babies out. Bye.